You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey everybody, welcome back into the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. It was practice number two for Ohio State in spring ball. This is practice report number two brought to you by Byers Auto. That is Spencer Holbrook, Tim May, Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward. The wide receivers and the running backs. Uh, it's been a lot of time with the assembled media this morning in here. And I think, like my takeaway on Tuesday, those units are pretty good. They're good, uh, but the running back group, as we see it today, you realize it's sort of thin. Uh, and, and that's what you don't really want in the spring because you want these guys to get a lot of carries and you want them to work on stuff. But I asked Travion Henderson, are they gonna let you get hit this spring? He said, nope. I mean, we only got three running backs. We can't afford to have someone get hurt. Uh, and, and you talk to these kids about what they're expecting this spring and especially for the running game with the new offensive line, there's things that are gonna be changing. And I think it would be helpful for Ohio State to have a, an extra body or two. I mean, I, we have Xavier Johnson out here who can do multiple things. Him. He's played on both those units before, but. Uh, certainly that's my biggest takeaway is that you don't really think about how thin they are. They will get down Hayden come June, but uh, at this point there's only three scholarship running backs. And that third guy, you know, Evan Pryor, didn't get many of those touches last year. Got to a, you know, a couple cup of coffees out there and uh, got his feet wet, but wound up with a redshirt ear that he didn't feel like he was truly expecting. He thought he would play more. So not that he was frustrated, it was just the way that it worked out for Ohio State last year. But you know, he wants to play more, and he's going to, if Travion Henderson can't be touched, and Mayan Williams has some proven production, probably a lot of work for Evan Pryor to, to get out there. And he did well in the winter workouts, added about 10 pounds of muscle, he said. Certainly looks the part. We, we all noticed him on the field on Tuesday flying around and maybe see him taking some of those touches and getting a, maybe a little bit of a mini Curtis Samuel role for this team. What's kind of crazy to me is like Travion Henderson obviously didn't lose any confidence from last year to this year because he had a thousand yards. Evan Pryor redshirted, had to sit and watch the entire season and came out even more confident this spring than when we talked to him for the first time last spring. And that tells you a lot about what his mindset is and the way that he approaches everything. You know, he's a, he's a really confident guy. He knows his ability. He knows what he can do. Last year he called himself a home run hitter. I don't know exactly what he would describe himself as now. Maybe he's a more complete back, but You've got to be impressed with the way he looks and the way that he's being talked about right now by everyone around him. You just know that something's, you know, coming soon for Evan Pryor. I think this is a huge spring for him. And, and he proved that, you know, he can handle the media. He can handle, you know, a new workload maybe this spring, like you said. I, I, I'm expecting big things from him in the next, you know, six weeks. Yeah, I'd call him an inside-the-park home run hitter kind of guy because he's that fast. I mean, you know, basically when he gets out in the open field and like he talked about, you know, the biggest thing last year was – uh, not pressing, you know, especially early in practices and stuff, which kind of hurt him. And then he backed off of that a little bit, got a little more, a little bit more patience for one of another term. But you know, the old, uh, the old, uh, the old saying of pair and a spare. Kevin Wilson said everything but that the other day when we were talking to him about the running back situation. And you know, it's an interesting spring as you as a. Uh, Berm just brought up because you only got three scholarship running backs and you want all of these guys to step up and and uh, like you said, feel better maybe in a little bit of a scheme change or whatever they're doing up front. But uh, you don't want any of these guys walking out of here banged up at the end of spring because you can't afford it. It's an interesting dynamic with that backfield because you know that, I mean, Travion Henderson has Heisman Trophy caliber potential in the backfield. Mayan Williams, 
Uh, we've seen what he can do when he's fully healthy and rolling, and, and that started yeah. in the opener last year against Minnesota, and we had got a taste of what Evan Pryor can do. And, and Ryan Day wants, and Kevin Wilson both want, that powerful rushing attack and the ability to get short yardage, uh, yards they didn't get a year ago. But you also have so many weapons, and you could supplement that. Jackson Smith and Jigba has lined up in the backfield. We've seen uh, already just through two practices, Emeka Buka, you know, taking some of those jet sweeps. Like, there's going to be a big part of that for this offense that you know, the, you're so talented at wide receiver that yeah. that's probably going to bleed over in some respects to the rushing attack. But again, it all goes back to that one part. If it's third and two, somebody's got to go get that. Mm-hmm. Now, it, for me. Uh, as you watch today, and again, we didn't get to see practice at all, so you don't know exactly what they're doing, but I think the interesting thing, especially as we move into- What are they doing out there? In the wide receiver discussion <laughs> is, we talked to Emeka Abuka, Marvin Harrison, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Julian Fleming, Cameron Babb, and Jackson, you, he's a known entity. You know exactly what he is. He's the best receiver in the country. The younger guys, Emeka Abuka and Marvin Harrison, really don't have anything to prove. I mean, they they, they did a great job in yep. their time last year, really came out at the end of the year. They're expected to to be that that next wave, but it's Julian Fleming and Cameron Babb who will take this receiver core and make it the best in the country or make it just the best in the Big Ten. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I think if, if you get what you can get out of Fleming and Babb, if they're both able to stay healthy, if you just look at those two guys, they are a different type of athlete. They are a different type of beast. Julian Fleming told me that Cameron Babb, after four ACL surgeries in the last five years, is running a 4-3. And I believe that. I, if you look at him, it's pretty hard not to. The kid yeah. is an absolute freak. And so for him to be able to get out here and, and do some reps, Julian Fleming healthy said, you know, he, he just he said he's just not concerned with limits at this point. He's just going to push it as hard as he can and, and force himself to go beyond uh, what people think. He said he's, he's done listening to the outside noise. He's not worried about expectations. It's about him and what he wants to give his teammates. And uh, those two guys, to me, take what's probably the most talented top three receivers in the country and make it the best class in the country by a wide But how could either one of those guys not have a little bit of a, a thing in their mind about what's next, meaning, you know, what's going to pop next uh, no, physically you, you for them? You have to. I mean, that's, exactly. that's part of being that, a human. Yeah, and getting past that is their big, is their big chore. Uh, but, you know, it's like the, like we were talking, you're talking about Cameron Babb being, you know, maybe even faster than he was. I mean, remember Joey Galloway got a major knee injury. Next thing you know, he's running faster than he ever ran. Sometimes, as the old saying goes, I was talking with a medical guy about that the other day. You get in there and tighten some things up, and suddenly you got, you've got uh, strength you didn't have before. Doesn't it make you wonder if zombies are really fast? Exactly. <laughs> well, no, they go the maybe opposite. Maybe that's of, why zombies are so fast. They go they're the opposite cadavers. of getting things tightened up, buddy. They go the opposite of that. But, uh, do they but still no. use cadavers for ACL? But I, I agree with you. Now you're going off, off, off onto a siding there that I'm not even sure is on this train track. But but the bottom line is I agree with you. What you said, these guys will make the difference on whether, these guys, whether this core is considered the same as it was a year ago because you knew in the in – the, uh, on the siding, staying with that analogy, that uh, you had uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Agbuka sitting there. Yep. Uh, uh, wow, and Jaden Ballard. I mean, there's a guy to keep your eye on. Yeah, it makes me happy that you guys allow me to start talking about Jaden Ballard because I asked Xavier Johnson what the difference, he's a, one of the leaders of the room now, what the difference is between Jaden Ballard last year and this year. He said that he's bought in. So I asked Jaden about it and he said, yeah, I feel way different right now. Walking around this building, he's, I think he's starting to come out of that shell. So he doesn't really like to talk. He's a pretty quiet guy. Uh, you know that better than anybody, Burn, but I don't. I've never talked to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. But he 
he never. seems like the kind of guy who can really elevate this room even more. Because if you get a true deep thread, he, he got the Devin Smith question today. I think he handled him pretty well. It's a pretty apt comparison, even down to the number. He knows yep. what that expectation is. And I think that if he can bring that to this offense, you're talking about a whole different level, even beyond you know what Jackson and all of those guys can bring to this. Cameron Babb is going to be huge. Julian Fleming is going to be huge in this. But I think the almost like the secret weapon heading into this spring is is Jaden Ballard, and if he continues to gain that buzz, it's not going to be a secret for much longer. But how can Austin? I'll, I'll just ask you, like, if Jaden Ballard becomes that guy, something went terribly wrong for other people, or something went so right for him that it's a leap we've maybe yeah. never seen a guy make in from year one to year two. I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility for Jaden Ballard because I think there's this. I don't know, assumption that because you have Ameke Ibuka and Marvin Harrison, that this other guy, he's the third best. Well, he's still, a, I don't know what which service to use uh, dating back two years ago, but he's a top 100, top 150 yeah. player. He's an elite player. So it's not unheard of for somebody to go through one year. Uh, he's a top 10 athlete in this building. And, and to learn from Brian Hartline and to be in this offense that has proven time and time again that it knows how to scheme up fast guys and get them open down the field, I, that wouldn't surprise me. And I think that what you're talking about earlier with, if this is the best overall unit in the country, I think it will be anyway, but it can be the best and the deepest. If you, if this is probably trending more towards the six wide receiver units of a couple years ago, where you can specialize a little bit more. Jackson Smith and Jigway, you don't ever want to take him off the field, but if you start bunching it up a little bit and Marvin Harrison and Julian Fleming and Emeka Ibuka can all give you a little something differently athletically, plus Jaden Boward stretching the field, you know, and whatever Cam Bab becomes, like, well, it's not a problem to play six when they're all very, very good. What's, what's fascinating is because we saw Ohio State utilize Jackson Smith and Jigba in the backfield in the Rose Bowl and sort of that Debo Samuel role, you could see a situation where all six of them are on the field at the same time. If you went five wide, and you had, You're gonna play without a quarterback? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why not? Which one of them could throw no, the ball? I'm saying, like, you could you could have all five. You could have five of those guys <laughs> on the field. You want to be a right tech. You could have five of those guys on the field yeah. at the same time, right? And 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 allow yourself to really do a lot of different things with motions and whether it's you know bringing uh, Jackson out of the backfield, bringing him back in, moving Fleming down to a, almost like a tight end role. There's a lot of weapons. A lot of we options. talked about that on my podcast the other day. Mm. I mean, that's, you know, it's like like I said, one of the one of the things. I wish I'd seen last year was them putting five wides out there with a quarterback. And like you said, you know, then the team's got to get to CJ Stroud. If they don't, somebody's going to be well, wide Kevin open. Kevin Wilson also quickly said exactly that would be a problem if Ohio State has to do that and can't play tight end. Well, yeah, but I'm saying you do it one time just for the fun of it. You know, well, we you do it one like poster on the, the one subscriber on the on the Letterman Lounge forum who's constantly asking us to press for a 10 personnel, 10 personnel. to be the, the only way Ohio State goes from the here on out. I don't think that's going to happen, but certainly they have the weapons to do it. One of the other wrinkles of this offense that I thought was interesting today is that Trayvon Henderson talked a lot about pass blocking and how he was always a willing pass block. He didn't have to do it in high school because he was part of the route concept. He was getting the ball and running 70 yards for a touchdown. Like It was never in the cards for him to be a pass blocker. He was a really good pass protector last year for C.J. Stroud. When he was on the field and he was asked to pass protect, there were times where he was one of the best blockers you know, in the box there. And I don't so, think Tony Alford will agree with no, that. No, I don't, yeah. he, I thought he came he, on. He certainly got better as the year went on, yeah. and I think he's going to continue to get better. But you could tell he brought it up 
today a couple different times. I think he's kind of put that on himself to get better in that area. There were times where you would see him and you would you would see a guy who's willing to do it and who kind of didn't know what he was doing in it. And so I think that's where I get that is like for somebody who didn't know what he was doing and never had to do it, I thought he did okay, but he has to get better, and I think he knows that. The reason Ezekiel Elliott is regarded as the best running back in the history of Ohio State is not just because he was a great guy with the ball in his hands. Ezekiel Elliott never had to come off the field. He was a dominant pass protector at running back, which is something that doesn't happen often. That's something he's taken to the NFL because he worked his butt off to get great at it. And that's something for Trayvon Henderson, all the comparisons we've seen over the years, uh, last year uh, in his recruitment, if he wants to be that type of player, he has to never come off the field. You can't forfeit your spot on the field on third and, and, and third and five yep. for for Master Teague. You know what I mean? You have to be able to be out there the entire time. Yeah. So if he's buying into that, it's just one of those things that elevates his offense even more. Plus Zeke was a great, great pass catcher. I mean, he was the as consummate a back as you're ever going to find. And, uh, you know, I know Eddie George and Keith Byers and some of those guys would argue because they weren't used in the same way yeah, but they were as him. Huh? <laughs> but yeah, they'd be wrong. I know. Well, whatever. Uh, but I, I, you know, when I'm sitting here, I'm just looking at this wide receiver crew. I'm talking to Marvin Harrison Jr. today, you know, and he hasn't he hasn't put on necessarily more weight. He just looks like he has because he's been working in the Mickey Marotti program. He's a much bigger, maybe probably stronger, maybe even faster version of his dad, you know, and uh, and the way he stepped up in the Rose Bowl, what he's carrying from that is like just a confidence factor that's uh, through the roof. He did appreciate the compliment from Berm the other day on social media, and I asked him about that, but he said the weight is basically the same. Yeah. The body fat has changed uh, it dramatically. Looks significantly yes. different. He's carrying it very differently, and he acknowledged that. Like, he actually texted me after that <laughs> tweet on Tuesday where I was like, you know, like, yeesh, and he said, I've gotten faster too. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, well, that's he, dangerous. No he's, and he's he can feel that and he's confident and uh, what Mickey wow. Marotti has done to help him in this offseason and it didn't it didn't mean that he needed to add 10 pounds like Evan Pryor did and he was already pretty successful uh, in the Rose Bowl anyway but yes, I told him he's more swole he, like that yeah he's sort of become the poster boy for this offseason without necessarily becoming much larger because you saw all the Matt drill photos with him 15 feet in the air and you know <laughs> coming off the field on Tuesday with the guns popping I mean boy when you just talk about fitting these pieces together, yeah, and Brian Hartline's just—he's literally in a candy store back there. It's just fascinating because you see these kids, and, and I mean, obviously, I, I tend to look at things from a recruiting standpoint. Marvin Harrison, the knock on him coming out of, of St. Joe's Prep in Philadelphia was that he maybe wasn't the elite athlete that some of the other receivers in the country were. And that's a class that included Emeka Abuka and Jaden Ballard, and then you see him now, two years, and like. You have, to, you have to put a little investment into the futures when you're dealing with kids who have that sort of genealogy, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, let's, as a recruiting industry, folks, if you're listening, if someone's father is a Hall of oh, Famer, here we go. Yeah. if someone's father is a Hall of Famer at the position that kid plays and that kid happens to be four inches taller and 30 pounds heavier than said Hall of Fame father, there's a there's a fairly good chance that that kid's going to be pretty good. Don't, he, he don't, help, talk, he don't help talk out the competition. About that. Just, just saying. Let your act like there's let your evaluation be a chance be right. that that kid's pretty good. He and I, he and I talked about that. Today. Right. He yeah. and I talked about that today. I mean, you know, he's six three and a half, as he says, in between three and four. You know, and uh, uh, yeah, and I, like I just said a while ago, whispered. I mean, the sky's the limit for this guy. I mean, it's unbelievable where he could be. And uh, I just think, you know, I thought he was going to be the. The most pro, one of, among the prolific pass catchers last year, but you know that was selling some guys short, obviously. Uh, but I think, wow, I just it's amazing that Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, is 
like you said, a taller, stronger, faster version of his dad who is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I think it's kind of weird to think about last year with Chris and Garrett both on the roster, and we asked a very prominent member of the Ohio State offense, who's the best receiver on the team? And he didn't mention Chris, Garrett, Emeka, Marvin, any of those guys was Cameron Babb. So I don't know. There's a lot to think about with this wide receiver room. Marvin Harrison's going to be absolutely elite. Um, I, I can't think of a, a guy with the higher upside, but then you look at Cameron Babb, a healthy Cameron Babb, even with the, the knee surgeries, and you just kind of wonder exactly what that means for this offense with Cam on the field. Yeah. It would be a bonus, man. My final thought, because I know we got to wrap this up, we could talk all day, people, uh, is that we can talk about these guys, and we spent exactly zero time talking about the best receiver in the country. I was just going to say <laughs> before you jumped in that I think of time, I have a I just have some notion in my head that Jackson Smith and Jigba is good. Yeah, I mean that's he's so good we don't even have to talk about he's it. Inevitable. It's, it's a he is inevitable. Ooh. He's he's big. Thanos. Well, there's already a Thanos on this team. What I Little what Thanos. I like about the conversation that you can have with Jackson Smith and Jigba now, as opposed to the last two years. Everyone asks about, oh, do you want to play in the slot? Do you want to play outside? We've already seen evidence that he can do both. Mm -hmm. And then you add in the additional wrinkle. I said, well, how long had you guys been practicing you lining up in the backfield? And what does that change for you? And I said, well, put that in for Purdue. But he immediately motioned out. If you're running him out of the backfield and you have Marvin Harrison or the other five guys that we named, then you have to try and figure out a way to scheme up a defense to stop the best receiver in America who's now coming out of the backfield where you'd normally want to cover that with a linebacker or safety, it's lights out. Now, Utah was shorthanded. I, I understand all that, and, and you can put that context into what happened to his amazing statistical performance there. Ohio State was also shorthanded. It's yeah. fair as well. But that part where Hands. Ohio State and Brian Hartline and Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day know how good this guy is and that they can line him up anywhere on the field and he can do any assignment, any route, from any spot, like he, he's the guy I think who can elevate this. When you're the, when you have the supporting cast behind it, do you think he's going to go higher than yeah. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave? Do you think Ryan Day and them get in get into a room some days and just sit in their swivel chairs and just swivel around and go, all right, what's the wildest thing we can do offensively? What what where can we put guy? I mean, it it, it, it almost like they're it's like mad scientist well, kind of stuff. What they do offense? I mean, I'm talking about where they can go with this offense if they want to. If they have the time to do but you, it, you've written about that before, yeah. Tim, and they don't—they don't want to do that. I, think I know. With, I know. I think with Jackson, this is more out of necessity because yeah. they know he's that good, and they have the creativity that you're talking about. They—if you—you're not just going to waste Jackson Smith and Jigba to get double teamed all but game. But you've got to be tempted. You've got to be tempted to like just throw some exotic stuff out there, you know? Well, and, I think, uh, yeah. And they never hurt. They—it's just amazing. I mean, like what Jack Smith and Jigba hiding in the backfield against Utah. Yeah. That was a—that was. That was genius, only because you could not take him, even though you're Utah and you know he's catching all these passes, you still have to adjust to where he is at the moment. And it's like, to me, that was what the, what the depth of this offense. That's where he wants to get to with his defense. He wants the defense to be feared in the same kind of way. And uh, I, just I don't know, I'm just I'm riffing here only because I'm just, it always amazes me when I look at this talent, because I don't think we oversell the talent here. We were talking about that the other day. Why, bro, we, well, the we gush too much, but the conversation I don't think we do. at other positions may not be the yeah. same yeah. when you have yeah. the best wide receiver in America, the top, uh, one of the most productive freshmen in Ohio State history, a top ten, you know, candidate for the Heisman Trophy in year two. Yeah, like, I mean, I just, it's hard not to oversell. I just think about how dramatically different the offense at Ohio State is 
from a decade ago. Yeah. Jackson Smith and Jigba had two games last year of 15 catches. <laughs> in 2011, Ohio State's leading receiver had 13 catches for the season. <laughs> wow. That's what we're talking about. I mean, it was. Was it 13 or 12? Uh, it was, it was we'll, not we'll a text, lot. We'll text Stoney when we're I mean, to, to think that, that we've come to that far <laughs> in the last decade, and it is exciting, I think, for Buckeyes fans to just see it and be like, wow, this is crazy. But there's always that core of Ohio State football, which is if it's third and two, you got to run. And that's why you, you have you know to what? You have do. Straight you do got You do have to be able to do that. I mean, that's been proven a couple times. Very, but, very last thought, if I can get one in. Uh, you know, last year I felt like the offense was historically good. And you don't want to put it bluntly, but Ohio State kind of wasted that offense by not winning a national championship. Like, th this offense is so good that if the defense gets even a sliver better, it should be a national championship. You can't continue to waste the offensive talent that you have by not winning national championships. I'm so a percentage on it. The defense just has to get 25% better. I've already put a percentage on it. And, and Ryan Day knows that. Because I think <clears throat> the flip side of that is the offense is also going to get better. Yeah, I yeah. think the offensive line, uh, even without their Munford <laughs> and Nick Petit-Frere, with, with some new coaching and the personnel they have, now we'll talk about that when they when they get out here. They're a little bit thinner, obviously, but yeah, with a second year quarterback, with a second year uh, for Travion Henderson, with that wide receiver group that we talked to today, and then you even lose Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and this offense can be better. Like it's that's a mouthful, but I think it's really true, and we'll see. They have to stay healthy, of course. That's a big part. They're going to try and get through uh, 13 more practices in spring before heading into the off season. A lot more improvement for all those guys. Not a finished product yet. Uh, but we'll be covering them from start to finish as we always do at Letterman Row. That's Spencer Holbrook, Tim May, Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward. This has been the Practice Report. As always, it's brought to you by Byers Auto. Stay with us for full coverage of the Buckeyes at LettermanRow.com.